Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Democrats have authorized subpoenas for a dozen main players in the president's orbit, including son-in-law Jared Kushner. Here's the question. Who will show and who won't go? A leading conservative is here to fight the move. But as this POTUS likes to say, if you got nothing to hide, why don't you testify? And Nancy Pelosi has a fight on her hands to get the party on the same page. Can they take on this president if they're taking on each other? That'll be our great debate. Plus, Jeffrey Epstein is trying to work another sweetheart deal for himself. We have the man who wrote the book on Epstein, insights into his mystery money and connections. What do you say? Let's get after it. Now listen, Mr. Mueller next week may highlight the findings on obstruction, but this president is going to be put into the crosshairs by Congress. And Congress will have to get people to testify to those findings. So here come the subpoenas. 12 key players in the Trump orbit. Son-in-law Jared, former chief of staff John Kelly, former AG Sessions, and the man who stepped in to oversee the investigation when Sessions recused himself, Mr. Rod Rosenstein. The president says the Mueller report was the end. But, you know, that's not what Mueller said in that report. So what is the case to hide from the light of scrutiny? To make the case, Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union. Hello, brother. Good to have you. Good to be with you. Good to have you. So make the case, because I use the president's rationale. Uh, He didn't follow it in his own case, but you got nothing to hide. Go and speak. Why not do that here? Show of strength. One and done. Yeah, because it seemed at the time what everybody wanted to have happen is to have an independent voice come in, uh, report to the DOJ on what exactly happened. What were the facts? What what happened? What didn't happen? The president allowed everybody who worked for him to participate in that process fully. And what you see with Democrats, I believe, is that they didn't like all the answers that came from Bob Mueller and they want to get a mulligan. They want to start the process all over again now. They have the right to do it. They have the constitutional right to do whatever they want. But the president also has prerogatives for people who work in the executive branch for separation of powers to say, look, I've already said I didn't have to allow these people to participate with Mueller. And I did fully. What more can we learn? All right. So let's test the case. Um, The biggest point is that this president never testified or submitted to real questioning. His lawyers, I gave him golf claps here several times. The Raskins, Sekolo, little bit Giuliani, and the coaxing to keep him out of the chair because they were afraid of what would happen. They gave him cover. Good. But he violated his own rule of if you've got nothing to hide, you testify. So they, this isn't a second bite at the apple because they never got the first bite. And in the Mueller report, Matt, he says, here are the findings. I can't do anything about them. That's Congress's duty. So this isn't a do-over. It's an extension of the same play, isn't it? Well, he's wrong about saying that Bob Mueller's job was to report back to the Department of Justice his findings. It was not to have a call to action from Congress. When he 
if, if that's exactly what he did in the report, and I think it's a fair reading of the report, I think that for many Americans, that's when he looks like he's getting political. I can't find anything. Hey, fellas up on the Hill, why don't you try to find something? And the thing is, Chris, is this. I watch your show. I watch a lot of media. I read a lot of media. We have covered this issue ad nauseum for two years, and there's not a scintilla of wrongdoing except for some people believe that when Donald Trump fired Jim Comey, that that equals obstruction. Well, they're like that's six a or seven. constitutional question. Six or seven different points of that, potential that, obstruction. That's not, I, don't, I don't agree with that. That's a constitutional question about whether or not the president has the ability to fire people that serve at the pleasure of the president. Now, people who don't like Donald Trump and don't like that decision-making don't have to vote for him. That's what you do in a democracy. But to carry on a mulligan investigation and to start all over again with these people who have already spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on lawyers. The money can't be the issue. No, no, but the, the money the, can't be the issue. We waste also, money on but all why destroy people to just go through the meat grinder one more time? When, why is it destroying Because them? you trusted Bob Mueller to find the answers. Well, and Mueller, he did. And Bob he Mueller did. is your boy, first He's of all. He's not my boy. He is a minted nope. Republican. Nope. Nope. A rock ribbed Republican. Let me, let me speak for myself about that. Please. I did the first political check on James Comey. I'm going to start with Comey. He was not a rock ribbed Republican. I'm talking about Mueller. Bob Mueller might be someone who's been a registered Republican, but he was a Trump hater, someone we call never Trump. He interviewed he, to be the head of the FBI right before he did this. Yeah. And if he was interviewing to be the head of the FBI, why all of a sudden is it obstruction of justice to get rid of James Comey, who we would have replaced? He never brought that up to the president. Oh, one has this is an insane. It that, does, that, that has no logical connection. Why would you Him take a job for the job? Why would nothing he, to do with why would Bob Mueller? Ability to why would Bob Mueller ask the president of the United States the day before he's picked to be the special counsel for the job of FBI director. He was if asked he thought, to come in to interview. He didn't ask yes, he for did. the job. Yes, That's not did. my understanding. He was asked to come in yes, by did. a mutual friend. You don't come in and talk to the president about being the FBI director unless you have an interest in being the FBI oh, director. I didn't say he didn't have an interest. I'm saying he didn't ask but to come in. But if he thought that what he had just done to James Comey was unconstitutional and obstruction of justice, I don't think he would have agreed to be interviewed. I don't think he FBI knew, and director. I think that he went into the investigation with exactly what he put on page one of part two, which is, I'm not allowed to indict a sitting president. That's the guy. He's given two different answers to that. I know the lawyer who wrote that OLC opinion, who's now a federal judge, and he's a great Democratic lawyer. Right. But the fact is, is Bob Mueller has given different answers as to why he couldn't go forward and indict the president if he well, thought he obstructed hey, look, justice. We'll get that next week. It's one more good reason to have I don't him think on. we will. But this, well, look, do he's going to be Mueller, asked. Do you think, I think he's going to be asked, but do you think Bob Mueller, the man you saw at that press conference, doddering through that statement, having trouble getting through that statement, do you think we're really going to learn anything as he uh, I as think he that testifies? people didn't read the book. And they will watch the movie. And I think that he will be impressive on reciting the findings. Do I think he changes the calculus? Not necessarily, but that's never been my bar. My bar is so the transparency. Just replay, the I don't replay, think it's replay. replay. I think it is the end of the play. I'll give you this, though. I do believe that after Mueller and this, the reaction of the first round, the Democrats have to make a choice. If they're going to go down this hedge road of oversight, this will never end. And there's political pain for them. If they really believe what Mr. Mueller put out, that there are at least six, seven grounds of potential obstruction, they should start an inquiry. I'm not saying they can impeach. I'm not saying they should. But that's really their constitutional well, duty. They can, they can impeach. But I think, well, I'm, they maybe can. I don't know that they have what they need for articles of impeachment. We'd have to see them go through it's the inquiry process. But it's a political question. Of course it is, 100 percent. Mm -hmm. uh, all of its trappings of it being a judicial process are nonsense. However... This is going to be instigated by what the president does with these subpoenas. 
It is a show of weakness to not have your people comply. I disagree. Because he doesn't have executive privilege. No, no, no. I I disagree completely. I think that there is a medium course here. There are times when presidents have allowed people who work for them currently in the executive branch to talk to Congress. Sometimes that's done without television cameras. Sometimes that's done with immunity to make sure that the facts come out for the American people to see. There's a million different gradations. But this president savages people who are, but, are unwilling to go out and make the case for themselves. But, but if you would allow me just to finish this, please, they jumped right as Nadler wants to do. And as the this new radicalized Democratic majority in the House wants to do, they want this confrontation. They don't want to find the facts. They want the political well, confrontation. A, and you said opinion. yourself, it is my totally, it's my opinion. That is going to be tested politically, whether that's a wise oh, course, way to do but this. But it all should. What I'm saying is this. What is the basis of not having the people come out and testify they about what happened talked. that might be obstruction? Chris, here's the problem with not that. Not to Congress. Is that we... Decided as a country, and most Democrats thought this was the right move when Rod Rosenstein said, "Okay, we're going to get a special counsel, somebody everybody can respect. And I've been on this network and a lot of other networks where people lauded Bob Mueller. Okay, and I will say this. The uh, they picked a person who has uh, uh, high integrity and had high respect. And he did a thorough process. Took a very long time. Went through the midterms. Can with you the imagine? Findings, with Can the you findings. Imagine? But he wasn't he able to take He found no any... wrongdoing. No, it's not true. He, he found, found a lots of different potential he found wrongdoing, no wrongdoing. structures. He found no wrongdoing. What are you talking about? You, you name a specific thing that he said in that report that was indictable. Well, none of it is indictable because right. you can't indict a sitting president. That's not what he said. It is exactly what he said. He gave two answers to no. that question. On page one, one point, of part two, it okay. said, I can't indict and a sitting president. And what did he tell the attorney general and what did he say at his press conference? Well, and what what's the, he going to tell Congress? He is, could come up with three answers. What he said at his press conference is not what the attorney general says. What he said at his press conference was, listen, we did this case. We looked at it. If we could have said more, we so would have So this goes more. full circle. You say, why didn't Donald Trump sit down with Bob Mueller yes. and his team and answer all the questions? This is exactly what he if tells If Bob Mueller is an honest person who has nothing to hide himself, right. why is it he can't give the same answer over and over no, again? No, 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 let no. Me, let me go here. Let no me go way. Here. Let me go here. All right. The I'll give you a little bit is, of latitude, but to no, equate this, these two men in terms of mendacity is, uh, you know. Yeah, I think Donald Trump is much more solid. The, so, uh, it, when it comes to telling the truth? Absolutely. You believe yes. that this president... Is more of a truth go. teller than you're, Bob Mueller. I, I know you don't think the president tells the truth. I listen to your and show. And you do. Let I do trust oh, the president. I, no, 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 no. Don't twist my words. I didn't say that you should never trust the president. I'm saying you don't think he lies. Uh, I think uh, you, you know we can spend all day going no, through parsing yes, of no. words. I want a yes, no. You don't think he I lies. think Chris Cuomo lies. I think I have lied. I think people lie, and it's unfortunate. You don't think this president lies to the American I, people more than we've seen in the past? No, absolutely not. Matter of fact, he's Chris. On the things that he said he would do as president, name one You're thing. You're narrowly Na- defining no, no. it. The well, most important thing, I want to be your president, I will do these six things. He's doing those six things. And that's that not where is, his integrity ends. That that's he did the those most things. important. In his selling of those things, he even lied. You he look, called his tax cut a middle class tax cut. It did not favor I'm the going middle back class. To Bob, I'm going he back. said the wall would fix the problem. It is not a fix I'm for the problem. I'm going back to the question about Bob Mueller. Ah, the reason, good switch. The reason why yes. you should be careful in dealing with a special counsel who can indict you if DOJ goes along with it is that they can look at your words and say, wow, these words don't match up with these words. Bob Mueller's reasons for either indicting or not indicting the president, he's given different answers. If, the if, if I use that standard, I could indict Bob Mueller. He would have had nothing to worry that's, about. That's untrue. Match slap. Carter yeah. Page had four FISA warrants right. on him. 
and they didn't indict him. He never did anything. So what? Because you, you don't he, have to be indicted. You don't have to find a crime you, in order to get a warrant on somebody. Well, yeah, but why would you use the FISA court to go after because somebody who never did anything situation. wrong? No. No. Yes, it's exactly what the FISA was. And I can't wait till they release it so we can all see it. I, I can't believe I sound like the liberal in this conversation. I think prosecutors can go too far. And I think a lot of time American citizens are victimized by prosecutors who want to do nothing but find any way in which they can well, indict look, somebody instead of finding the real criminal underlying of what happened. I have. I have no problem with getting to the truth. That's why I want to see the disclosure here. We'll see what happens next week in the response. Thank the you. For having you are always welcome here okay, to make the case. You. Matt, thank you very much. All right. Next. The best indicator of who's moving up the Democratic polls. You got to look at who the president attacks. So he went after Elizabeth Warren and he made the right choice. We'll show you why. The Wizard of Odds has the latest 2020 poll numbers. Who's moving where and why? Next. Who's up, who's down and why? We have new numbers and Harry Enton, the Wizard of Odds. Great to have you here to talk about the state of play. You want to start with South Carolina. Why? Because, it, first off, it's the hottest numbers. These literally just came in more than that. Obviously, in the last debate, we saw Kamala Harris go after Joe Biden's record on busing, and she was making a play for African-American voters. So South Carolina is a real shot to see whether or not that really had a true effect. Because the percentage of African-American voters is significant there. This a majority. Obviously, the fourth one in. Correct. So, all right, those are two big indicators. What do we see? And what do we see here? Well, I've broken it down overall and among African-Americans, and we see that Joe Biden has an overwhelming lead in this South Carolina poll, leading the field at 35 percent, and Harris is all the way back at 12 percent. Take a look among African-Americans, though. Joe Biden's even doing better among them than he does overall with 41 percent, and Harris is running third with only 12 percent. She's actually running behind Bernie Sanders as well in South Carolina. Uh, what do you think about this switch of Sanders and Warren? Because the story of the day is really Warren, but here she's way back. Why? Uh, well, I think it's a bunch of things, not the least of which is I think this column gives you a pretty good indication. Elizabeth Warren is still struggling with African-Americans. This is one of the groups that she has not so much made an inroad with so far. Any insight? Uh, I, I, look, I think African-Americans know Bernie Sanders. They know Joe Biden. They trust those guys. They've run before for president. Joe Biden specifically. So Elizabeth Warren comes from Massachusetts. While she's certainly making a play, let's keep in mind, of course, that a lot of voters are still getting to know who Elizabeth Warren is. You know, is. the second and third reason for numbers, we call the crosstabs in polls. And one of the interesting things to know about the African-American vote is that women within the African-American vote is really the strong suit for Democrats. It'll be interesting to see how they are resonating with the women. Well, one other thing I'll point out, which we'll get to a little bit later as well, moderates and conservatives, African-Americans, that tends to be their biggest block among them. And obviously, Elizabeth Warren is a very liberal candidate. Strong point. Yes. So now we go to the national numbers. And what do we see? Yeah. So basically, there was also an, just a fresh day of polls, right? It's a beautiful day of polls for everybody. And what <laughs> do we see? So we have the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, but I also have the CNN poll of polls. And what we see, generally speaking, is Joe Biden is holding on to that number one position. He's a little bit weaker than he was pre-debate, but he's still number one. And basically, then what we see is in both of these polls, both the poll of polls and the NBC News Wall Street Journal polls, basically a three-way tie for second place. But I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it this way. You want to look at this here, right? Uh, give, me some, give me some color. You want some color? How yeah. about some green? I want to do this and this because we have a big discrepancy in those. In those we, we do have a big discrepancy here. Maybe it's a fact. I did that. Look how it the, came into a little arrow on both sides. That wasn't even intentional. That's some beautiful artwork. Maybe go ahead. Miss Tallarico will be very proud of you. Now, what, I, what I'd also point out is a few things. Number one, margins of error matter here. This was also taken a little bit later. So I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Harris struggles and pulls further and further out from the debate. Huh. But it's interesting because we're saying that Warren, the president, went after Elizabeth Warren. Why? Because we see a move. And it's important to note the Wizard of Odds had said 
after the debate when Warren got a pop. It's not about the debate for her. This is a slow build. What do you see in these numbers? The value. Look at this. Look at this. Just March, April, May, June post debate. What do we see? Continuously going up six, nine, ten, twelve. 15%. This is a continuous uh, this is a continuous climb for her. I think this is better than a post-debate bump because it tells you that it's not just about the debate. She's building a case with Democratic voters, and they seem to be latching onto that message. Not a splash. Not a splash. This is a tide. College. Yeah, I think that this is just so important. If you're kind of looking at where Elizabeth Warren bases, it's white college graduates. 22% post-debate in our CNN poll in March. That's doubling her percentage. She didn't really grow as much among whites without a college degree. This is still a group she needs to do well among. White non-college grads, moderate conservatives, and African-Americans is where she needs to improve. But right now, she's being powered by whites with a college degree. Hmm. Very good look inside the numbers. And it's interesting, the difference between Harris and Warren. Warren is making a case with the I have a plan for everything. Slow build. Harris made a splash in that last debate. It's interesting to see if there was any backlash against her in that South Carolina poll. Wizard of Odds. Thank you very much. Shalom be well, my friend. (laughs) That's like his tagline. All right. Another progressive moderate feud within the Democratic Party. Nancy Pelosi got some people upset. She's engaging in infighting with the freshmen. Can she settle the squabble? Must she? Great debate. Next. Now, we've been watching accusations of racial animus play out on the main stage between Democratic candidates. But now it seems to be spilling into the House. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says the speaker appears to be unfairly singling out women of color. Let's use that as a springboard for a great debate. Alexandra Rojas and Joe Lockhart. Rojas, why is it okay to use the race race card against Pelosi? I don't think that's the question. I think the question is, is why did Nancy Pelosi send a blank check to fund Trump's deportation in detention machine. Uh, no, and that's because the question is, was forced why to do it. does Cortez play the race card against Pelosi? That's the question. Because she's choosing to single out four women of color in Congress who voted alongside 90 other Democrats in the House, part of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, uh, against this bill. Because again, why did we have to write a blank check to Trump's deportation and detention machine? Because the reality is, is that seven children have died at the border under the Trump administration's watch. That is the real conversation. Are you you troubled at all uh, by whether or not those kids died because Congress, in part because of the Democrats, delayed funding for so long? No. I think it's because we're not actually, uh, you know, we're taking Mitch McConnell as his word, asking, you know, with zero concessions and accountability for human rights abuses happening under our watch. This doesn't make any sense. And I think, again, why are we writing a blank check without pushing? I think we have power in the House right now. And again, the reality is, is that four Democrats didn't do this. Ninety Democrats in the Congressional Hispanic Caucus also voted alongside four other women. All right. And that apparently is why this is happening. And so let's base this in reality, which is the situation that it was a handful of centrist Democrats, I think, forced Nancy Pelosi to sign a bill with Mitch McConnell uh, that had zero concessions, zero oversight and accountability when there are seven children that have died under the president's watch. And even even beyond that, right, we have uh, women that are literally being forced to drink out of toilets. Well, we don't know that. uh, We do not know that we're having women forced to be drinking out of toilets. We know that Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez said that, uh, but we need to see if there's proof of it. But hold on a second. Joe, let me get you in on this. Uh, 
Look, there's no question that a lot of Democrats were sideways on the nature of the funding that was being sent down. But what do you make of the state of play in your own party? Well, listen, I think, you know, our party is used to vigorous debate. And I and I think the people who made the point that uh, that Pelosi didn't get the best deal she could have a point. Um, she's been doing this for a long time. I believe that she did. She got the best deal she could. Uh, but it, go, it goes beyond the pale, I think, when you start assigning motives to her. Um, I thought her I thought, you know, let me say that I think uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has done a terrific job since she's been in Congress. The freshmen, whether they're moderate freshmen or very progressive freshmen, have really been leaders. They performed well in hearings. They performed well in every part of the, in every part of the job. Uh, but, you know, Nancy knows what she's doing, and she thought that was the best deal. And to, you know, go, you know, like the, you know, um, AOC's chief of staff said to compare the Democratic caucus to segregationists, it's just wrong. It's, you know, you can criticize the deal. You can say you could have gotten more. Uh, but you can't assign that kind of motive. Well, but, not they, to but Joe, the problem, here's the thing. They did. They've done it more than once. And I would bet they are going to do it again. How can you take on this president when you have this kind of division in your own party? Uh, listen, I listen. I think the way we take on this president is uh, the excitement and passion of the progressive wing of the party, but also the strength in the in the center and the moderates. The reason Nancy Pelosi is in a position to make these deals, whether it was a good deal or a bad deal, was not because of a great progressive uh, movement. It's because moderates in 40 districts around the country turned uh, Republican seats into Democrat seats. So both of these groups have to have a seat at the table. We're not going to beat Trump if both of these groups are fighting each other. Yeah, it's true. And it's Nancy Pelosi's job to keep the caucus together. I think that's the interesting thing, uh, Alexandra. I hear you on your arguments. Uh, You know, people call me up, make those arguments to me all the time as I'm doing coverage of the border and what they think the priority should be. My question is whether or not your party is actually a party or two or three different factions and that there's a chance you won't come together behind a nominee. No, I think that it's very clear that we all want to defeat Donald Trump. I think the case that we're trying to make is let's not repeat the same things that got him to this place. I think that, you know, again, the focus has to be on the fact that we have people dying at our border. I understand that. It doesn't have to be polite. This is about I understand that, but I don't give you high ground on that, Alexandra. I don't give you high ground on that because you guys knew for not you. You're not in Congress, but the Democrats knew for six months that they could not meet the standard of care on the border. McAleenan came to you guys as CBP and acting DHS and said, I need the money. You didn't give it. And Deloro and others had conversations on this show as we need guarantees. We need guarantees, but not in a moment of crisis. You don't. You need to get the money down there to stop the pain to prevent the injuries and the death. And you waited six months. You don't think there's a price for that politically? I think there's a price politically for saying that you're going to hold Donald Trump accountable, but not actually do it and take the steps that you mm. need to do it. That's the counter argument. If, 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 if we're going to actually hold Donald Trump accountable, mm. then do it. Do it. Save, save the children that are happening at the border. Uh, you know, keep families together and hold the president accountable by at least moving forward with articles of impeachment and inquiry on it. Like, 
this is not rocket science. You can still fight for the issues that we care about, and you can continue to question the fact that we have seven children that have died at mm. the border. Twelve people. And we people. have families that are reported to being separated. Yeah. Okay, 12. Twelve Even people. Worse. Terrible And the reality that we're debating whether or not it's pol- if it's polite to talk about that right now, or if it's polite uh, to, I, I I'm not you know, talking about whether it's Democratic polite. leadership. I'm not it's talking not, about whether it's, it's polite. I, I think playing the race card against Nancy Pelosi was not a smart move, uh, both for their careers and also for consolidation within your party. But Joe, Alexandra makes a good point. But why? But I guess the I guess the point yeah, is is that why single these four people out? Why because, single these four because women they out are the group when ninety five other card. Democrats also yeah, but ninety five other Democrats also voted for this bill. Well, that's true. Well, she didn't call him out by and name. And that's why Nancy Pelosi spoke out. I think a little bit of that is media baiting, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, she didn't call him out by name. But I take your point. And let me bounce it to Joe. And I appreciate you making it, which is. What do you do going forward? Alexandra has a point. There was a mandate brought in in 2018, and it was check this president's ass. That was the mandate. Come strong. And you heard the words from those who won. Yes, you turned moderate districts, but they were all talking that talk, Joe. And are you walking that walk right now? Well, listen, Chris, I think you got to go back to 2018. There's a couple levels of this. They, the, the checks were on things like health care and protecting pre-existing conditions. There was not a groundswell in these 40 districts that swung the House uh, for removing the president or for Bob Mueller's report. These candidates didn't run ads on Russia. They, they ran ads on protecting pre-existing conditions and health care. Mm-hmm. And listen, I understand there is a legitimate debate going on in the Democratic Party over how to take on Trump. And I think the subpoenas that were issued today, if they are defied, we may reach a breaking point and, and we'll see that whether the Democrats move forward or not. But to go back to the original point, mm. I don't think that uh, the speaker singled out uh, can, uh, any particular members. There are some members who are using social media very effectively uh, to get out to new voters. And they are bringing attention and calling attention to themselves, not just to call attention to themselves, but for their issues. Okay. But to take the next step and to say that 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 she is some she's playing, you know, she's a racist of some kind. It's just not true. And whether it's helpful or not, or whether it hurts the party or not, is is not the most important thing. The most important thing is it's not true. Well, I hear you on that, but you know what I see in you two? I see it reflected in what's going on in the party. There's pragmatism, and Joe, I respect you for bringing that to the show. And Alexandra Rojas, you've got the passion, and that's at play in this, um, in this debate as well. And it's good for you to bring it on this show and let people see where it's coming from. Thank you for doing it, both of you. All right? And we need both. Well, you got both. We'll see how you reconcile it. James Patterson created some pretty wild fictional crime stories, right? Then he wrote a true one that might have been the most wild. Jeffrey Epstein's story. The best-selling author is here. Keen insight, new twists in the case. Next. Lawyers for Jeffrey Epstein are pushing for him to get out of jail on bond and live in his $77 million abode pending trial. But more accusers are still coming forward with claims against the sex offender. He is a top-tier 
sex offender. And he certainly got an easy deal the last time by U.S. Attorney Alex Costa. Will it happen again? There's so much intrigue. Let's bring in legendary author James Patterson. He wrote about the Epstein scandal 2016, the book Filthy Rich. Welcome to primetime, sir. Great honor. Thank you, thank you. Important to know what we were talking about uh, before we came on. 2016. The thing about it is a boat now is the door's broken. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good. That 2016, you come out with the book, Filthy Rich. Yeah. Not a lot of interest in it. Even no, though so much that existed. I'm yeah. saying in terms of like being here next yeah, to yeah, me or yeah. on these shows or the outrage. Yeah. Only now we're starting to hear it. Why the delay? I think a piece of it, honestly, was the political side of it. I think mm. what, what got a lot of media interested in the story when the when Miami Herald stuff broke was the involvement of Acosta. And, and I mean, he's in our book as well. But, right. uh, but all of a sudden, you know, when, when we put the book out, he was not Secretary of Labor. Right. So now it's OK. Now we're going to talk about Trump and the Secretary of Labor. And but there was a secrecy here, intended or implicit, yeah. where he got the FIU job. Uh, you know, he got the job being dean of the law school there. Yeah. Uh, he got a lot of people coming out for him and saying he'd be great as Secretary of Labor. Did they not know about this or was there a misunderstanding about this? I think I think probably a misunderstanding. I, mean, I think and I've heard people go all over a lot in terms of how, how it happened, how the sweetheart deal. I, I honestly think what happened, I've talked to a lot of people down there about it is that it wasn't that they were afraid of Dershowitz and, and Stone and, and, and the other all-stars from down there. It was that these people had convinced them that, one, we're not going to let all these girls testify because they can't prove they were there. And secondly, um, that we're going to destroy them. We're going to destroy them. And we're, we're going to basically, if, if, if you came in and, and, and we're going to try to you know, get uh, Epstein for prostitution, you're going to get them. But if you're going to try to get him on these, we're going to destroy these girls. And we're going to, we're going to portray Not these. Not the kind of thing that usually works with a prosecutor, by the way. I'm going to destroy your witnesses that well, are Well, except girls. that if you, if you listen to these girls, especially back then, you go, you know what? It's tricky. They're, it's going to be tricky with them. So do you think that the culture... I, I think they were afraid. I think they're afraid. Do you um, think that there's more cultural yeah. currency now? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, and I think that, you know, this is an interesting thing in terms of uh, the, the whole Me Too movement. I mean, nobody seems to be rising up that much in, in terms of these girls. I mean, obviously, they did in the Cosby case, mm -hmm. and they did with Harvey Weinstein. This one, you know, I don't see a lot of women coming up. Well, and women going, are you know, coming out, though. Great. You're, you're getting more people coming out. Obviously, they had to have new evidence in order to get these new warrants. They couldn't do it on back then. Two things for you. One, when you were researching the book, this intrigue around his money, mm. these dark notions yeah. that not only does he not have the money that he was purporting to have, but that there was no real hedge fund. There was no real investment yeah. uh, business, that it was about money that he was getting from people because they were tangled up with him and what he knew about them. Did you ever get any meat on those bones? Not, not about that. I, I, I do think he made, he made money for people. I think he was advising them in terms of how to get out of tax issues and, and some investment stuff. And as we were talking before we got on here, you know, man, if you get Leslie Wexner on here, the guy that, you know, he, he knows some stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and he and, and Epstein were, were pretty tight. And why do you think Wexner has been so tough to come forward? I don't think he wants to talk about the whole. I mean, he may be ashamed of it, uh, and, and or he may just think that he just doesn't. Isn't but he doesn't have any about. exposure, as far as we know. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. It is the public corruption unit that's looking at this, yeah. which is unusual. It could oh, just yeah, totally. it could just yeah. be an administrative move. Maybe they had a tough time fitting it in with who had been doing it before. Um, but it is unusual to have this kind yeah. of uh, you know kid abuse case being handled by public corruption. 
as a, I, I got to believe that they have some new stuff in terms. Well, they of have traffic to. They wouldn't get the warrants. York, right? They would not get the now, warrants. Now, the thing that you know, the beauty now is once they broke down the place and found pornography, child pornography, presumably in his apartment, mm-hmm. is at the worst case they have that. Right, but in order to get the warrants, they needed something yeah. else. Otherwise, what they found in there would be fruit of the poisonous tree, and they wouldn't right. be able to use it. And it is a human trafficking story. It is abusive yeah. of minors and sex abuse story. It's not just about underage girls. Oh, no, and, and that's, that's the huge thing about this. It is about trafficking. We need to obviously pay so much more attention. It is about these girls. We need to pay attention to that. And we need to, and we need to, the, what it goes on, it's not that we're going to stop this, but these kind of sweetheart deals, we have to at least limit them, cut them down. If, they, if, if this does this, that, then, 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 then that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Mm. Mr. Patterson, as we learn more, I would love to have your insight on understanding in context what we learn and what it means and what you already understand. Yeah. understand well, we this. did. We put out three investigators, private investigators, in terms of digging up as much as we could dig up. We got a lot more people on it now. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll oh, see yeah, where it leads. Yeah. James Patterson, what a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The biggest inauguration crowd size ever. The most transparent president in history. A stable genius. And now this. Wait for it. Next. Now, look, I'm not one to pounce on every POTUS peccadillo or truth-twisting tweet, but his latest boast demands a moment of our time. Any kind of a punctuation mistake, they put it on. So I'm very, very careful. I really, I'm actually a good speller, but everyone said the, the fingers aren't as good as the brain. Mm, good speller? Remember these? First, you had the classic kafefe. all right? That stands alone. Then you had smocking gun. Typo? He did it twice in the same tweet, all right? Strong point. I tried to make that case. It fails. He can't spell counsel. He repeatedly uses the word the wrong way. He misspelled Joe Biden in the same tweet, calling the former VP a low IQ individual. He got that part right. And behold, the president's take on unprecedented. See it there? Unprecedented. We could, however, possibly forgive Tap and Scott with two T's free. You should look up the etymology of Scott free. You'll see a lot of people made that mistake. Let's bring in D. Lemon, a great speller. <laughs> I, I don't think I can give him that. I just don't think I can give it to him. Okay, so uh, I'm being honest. Don't make fun of me. I used to win spelling bees. My family used to think that I was, you know, some really smart. And, you know, person. Um, were, these, were these open because competitions? Was this phone- in the house? Like, no. where, where did you win? Stop it. I would remember everybody's phone number. And I could remember everybody's name in the room. Now, I, can't, I cannot spell for you know what. I can't remember any phone number. I, it, don't ask me even my own phone number. I can barely remember it. So listen, I'm going to cut in some slack. But right, here's I was going to say, thing. I'm always interested to hear your thoughts on yourself. I'm tr- I'm what does that have to, set it to up. do I'm with giving this? you a caveat. All right, caveat. Go. All right go. I'm doing, So uh, I'm going to cut in some slack. Mm-hmm. But here's the point. Mm-hmm. I am not the president of the United States. If you are the president of the United States and people hang on your every word, at least they used to, right? Because everyone thought that whenever the president says something, it's serious. Then you should check and recheck and double check and triple check and make sure that your spelling is correct. Because not only is he inconsistent on spelling, he's inconsistent on capitalization. 
So if I were president of the United States, I would make sure or I'd have some around me, someone around me to make sure that I spell things correctly. So it's not an excuse that he says that, oh, we put it out there when he misspells. He's the president of the United States. Get it right. Also, it is another clever application of his victim complex. He's, he's is the best that at he it. is very good at blaming others for things that he does. And this spelling thing, it's got to be on him. <laughs> I mean, you know, just there's no way it's on us. It's not about just little typos. There's a spell check like on the iPhone or on your phone. It spells things for you. It'll autocorrect sometimes, but you just look at it and go, whoops, that was an I mean, autocorrect. You know, I mean, it's it'll like, spell it for you. you know, that's probably why, that's just, why I can't spell. There's no excuse. You should look at a lot of these tweets, tweets and be like, what did I write? What the cafefe was at? I, I was going to say when you came to me, what in the cafefe are you talking about? <laughs> hey, listen, let's talk about the cafefe on the show tonight. It's actually not cafefe. It's some interesting stuff. You know the ice raids? Yes. Two cities that are going to be affected by these ice raids, Houston and Los Angeles. We got the police chief of one city and we've got the mayor of another city. Okay. And also, I've assembled a group to talk about the squad, the tension between the squad and the speaker. And is there anything that will bring them together? Should they be fighting in public? What in the world is going on? You don't want to miss it. We had a hot debate on it tonight. It's a great topic. D Lemon, check with you in a second. See you, my brother. All right. Paul Ryan, he retired. Haven't heard from him for a while, but boy, does he loom large in the latest book. The former speaker has thrown some shade at the president. Why is he throwing shade now after carrying so much water and basking in the glow of the Trump sun? That is the subject of our closing argument. Next. So if integrity is defined by what you do when no one is looking, then perhaps political principle is somewhat of a practical opposite, meaning It is what you stick to when everyone is looking. And in this new book, American Carnage by Tim Alberta, we are reminded about how so many who stake their reputation on principle caved to political convenience in this administration. Exhibit A has to be Paul Ryan, because moments like this became a staple of my coverage of this administration. Do you hear that? That's the silence from Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. Time and time again, this president would say provocative things and they would say nothing. Ryan would never take an invitation to defend any of his standing by, despite always casting himself as different, as putting principle before party. But when he took the speakership, insisting he would do it his way, his spine softened. Now that he's retired... He seems to be trying to recast his reticence to speak truth to power with this. We've gotten so numbed by it all, not in government, but where we live our lives, we have a responsibility to try and rebuild. Don't call a woman a horse face. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on anything. Be a good person. Set a good example. He never said anything like that about this president when he had the power to make a stand. Despite him saying he would never defend this personal perfidy of this president. And I say, forget about his remounting the moral high horse about this president's personal life. I don't care about his personal life. Let's stick to serious politics and policy and remember where Ryan stood while in office. Here he is on Trump's arguably inappropriate interactions with Jim Comey. He's new at government. And so therefore, I think that he uh, he's learning as he goes. Uh, on Trump's Charlottesville both sides comment. He's learning. Um, I know his heart's in the right place. And on the executive order banning Muslims. 
the president has a responsibility to the security of this country. We need to pause and we need to make sure that the vetting standards are up to snuff so we can guarantee the safety and security of our country. Uh, That is what this does. Did we? Because just 14 months before that, he was infuriated by the suggestion of the same type of ban. Proof. What was proposed yesterday is not what this party stands for. And more importantly, it's not what this country stands for. So what happened? I'll tell you what happens. With every collapse of character, the offender in politics often rationalizes the fall. Quote, I told myself I got to have a relationship with this guy to help him get his mind right. Because I'm telling you, he didn't know anything about government. I wanted to scold him all the time. Yeah, but you didn't. You said nothing too often. I've decided I'm not going to comment on the tweets of the day or the other hour. Uh, I haven't seen them all, to be candid with you. And when he did speak, he was meek. And when he acted, he was in this president's shadow. A 538 analysis shows Ryan voted in line with Trump's position 95.5% of the time. From the border wall to the Fugazi middle-class tax cuts that ballooned the deficit, so much for being a budget hawk, right? Ryan's signature issue. There are other examples in here of how those around this POTUS were once opposed and then became patsies. Mr. Spicer, Mr. Priebus, Mr. Mulvaney. Can you believe the man who now says you got to let Trump be Trump is code for I'm scared, right? Mulvaney once said... We're not going to let Donald Trump dismantle the Bill of Rights. But I focus on Paul Ryan. Why? Because he could well have a second act in politics and he could look good to the reasonable right and even some in the center. But he's going to have to own that he was just like the rest of them, not the best of them. He was given a chance to do what he said he would do. All the things that made so many smile when he spoke, seeing in him a hope for a better politics, principle before party, progress before patronage. But when he had the power to be different as speaker, he was painfully the same. Alberta writes that Ryan saw retirement as an escape hatch, maybe an escape from Trump or from politics, but not from reality. This period that we're all living together right now is going to be remembered for a long time, and people will be counted what they stood for, what they stood against, and absolutely those who stood still. Thank you. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.